Welcome to Game Talk Radio. Your hosts, Greg and Jen, bringing you their take on this week's hottest gaming news. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Game Talk Radio after a one-week hiatus for Thanksgiving. This is episode nine. Nine. We missed you. We did, totally. This actually, actually, last couple weeks went by very quickly. <laughs> Normally, I was talking about how, like, I think last episode, I was talking about how slow time went for a while there, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the last two weeks were crazy. Uh, obviously, at the store, we had our huge sale, and uh, and it's Black Friday and Small Business Saturday, and everything's really crazy, and then you roll right into the holiday season, and now it's December 1st today. It's, we record this on Thursday nights, um, and... So it's it's like in a flash it feels like it's been over. So it's, it does not feel like it's been two weeks since we've done one of these. So. No, I was busy making beat sprites. You made a lot of beat sprites. I made fifty beat sprites for that sale, and technically yeah, forty nine. Awesome. But that is true. You, I, it was I asked the for Mario. fifty. It was the Mario. His mustache was wrong. <laughs> well, one of the beads in his mustache was the wrong color, so I had to cut it out and then re. Mm. Well, 49 was still plenty. It was great. So thank you for that. Uh, So let's just, let's roll right into it. So it's been a whole, you know, four episodes or so since we talked about No Man's Sky. (laughs) So why not? Let's just get right back into it. So No Man's Sky, if you you guys remember a few uh, episodes ago, we had talked about how there was a, in the UK, there was like an advert, an advisory board advertising standards authority the asa so they they had received multiple complaints that uh there was false advertising in the game no man's sky so they started to investigate it do you want to know how many people complained how many people complained just take a guess uh a couple hundred 23 23 okay so (laughs) so 23 people can complain and get a okay it's good to know that everyone has a voice still Uh, so, I'm looking this over, and it says that after all, after after its investigation, after looking, it is officially ruled that it's not false advertising. Right. They concluded its, fi- the ASA concluded its findings by stating, quote, We considered that the overall impression of the ad was consistent with gameplay and the footage provided, both in terms of that captured by Hello Games and by third parties, and that it did not exaggerate the expected player experience of the game. We therefore concluded that the ad did not breach the code. I think I said this before. We'd have to, like, go to the tape. But I feel like... that beautiful footage. I I, want to say that I never complained about the Steam page. Like, I don't have a problem with that. All my issues I have with No Man's Sky and its over-promising and under-delivering... All my issues with that stemmed from interviews with Sean Murray and him saying things like when people would ask him questions and he would dodge the questions, but in like a, a sly way where someone would say, oh, so you get to like do multiplayer? Are there big sandworms? And he would just go, well, wouldn't you rather just play the game and find out? That's so not... it's it's oh. He could have said, hey, you know, what he should have done, and I don't blame him because he was trying to look out for his company, and mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't want to lose hype before the game came out, you know? But someone should have coached him a little bit on that and said, look, if someone asks you if something's in the game and it's not, just say, you know, there's a lot of things that are in the game. That's something we really want to. I don't know if it'll make it out by launch, but we're definitely going to get that in the game at some point because for, it's such a huge project. Yeah, for so free downloadable yeah. content. You know, and even that, you can't talk too much about that because you don't want to put yourself in a corner and all of a sudden say all this stuff's free because they actually did do that. They originally said that all their DLC would be free. 
then before the game was launching, they backpedaled on that. But now that there was all the issue with it and all the backlash, now everything that's coming out is totally free. Well, you would think that Sony, who threw so much money at Hello Games, would have hired a PR person to work with them? Because Hello Games is a company of, I think, less than 15 people. Pretty sure they don't have a PR person, and if they do, not one of this magnitude. And I agree, they did a disservice to their customers by not really knowing how to answer those hard-hitting questions. But I I still have the opinion that they, they delivered the game that they said they would. The unfortunate part of it is that they made that universe so gigantic that it's so difficult to prove that you're getting the gameplay that you feel that you should. Which actually leads into our next story. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, I, I, I hate talking about No Man's Sky because we differ on it so greatly. Yes, we do. Like, like <laughs> you, you feel very strongly with your background. Like, you, you understand developers and different things. And so, like, you, you understand, you, you've given them a lot more credit than I have. And and I I was before the game came out like I wasn't overhyping it. And I was expecting a certain product that I didn't get, but I don't feel that that was my fault. Like I don't think that I went out of the scope of what I was told was in the game. And and I I agree with you and this is why I don't like to talk about it because we're we're so like or we, <laughs> we can we, we can't there's we no can't, common ground we here. We can't we can't agree. You have your points and I have mine and there's no like, you know, we're essentially butting heads with it, but <laughs> I I just feel like they had a responsibility to the consumer to be honest about their product, and I don't think they did that. But the good thing now, like you were saying, mm -hmm. is that, so to piggyback on that story, yes. is that uh, there was, and I think based on the date of the story, it's out now, uh, but they finally did a huge update for No Man's Sky. Right. It kind of came out of nowhere, because No Man's Sky is Twitter, and, and everything's been really quiet. Um, and there's been like no talk. So, you know, a lot of people were just assuming that like they made off with their suitcase of money and, you no, know, I ran away from, I was thinking they were just balls to the wall, hands to the keyboard, feverishly, you know, green lighting things left, right and center, trying to scramble and make up for, for what people were upset about. Sure. And, and, and if that's what they were doing, which is what it appears that they were doing, the cool thing is it looks like they didn't really stop. It looks like they probably took a little bit of time to appreciate the launch, and then they went right into working on other things. So clearly, these were things that they wanted to have in the game all along. Right. But we're, and and it's okay. A lot of games do that where they add stuff later. You know, especially like for free updates, it's fine. So and it's a really big update. Like it's not just oh we added you know a couple new ships or something. Or like oh the, there's a new interface. Oh big deal. No, according to this Destructoid article, they're actually. Uh, giving players the ability to recruit alien life, set waypoints for important locations, set up auto mining machines to acquire resources, um, a way to quickly teleport from space stations to a home planet, uh, base building mechanics, and various other mechanics of the game as well. That that's awesome. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff, and that's that's some intense stuff. And they talk about, I mean, base building's huge. So now you can build a base on a planet and make the whole planet your base if you want to. Like that was, that was what essentially we thought we were getting. So now you know, and that's my only thing. If they'd come out and said with No Man's Sky, hey, this is a huge project, and we're really passionate about it, we may not have everything we want day one, 
but I promise you we're working on it. We will get everything in that game. And that's just a way to kind of quell the consumer's concerns. Well, and like we talked about offline, it might have benefited them to delay the release of the game. And and they might have, you know, a lot of the times when, now they're self-published and self-funded, maybe they needed the money. Maybe they couldn't delay it six more months. They didn't mm-hmm. have the capital, which could totally be realistic. Because 15 people working on one game and not getting any money. Right, exactly. And they were doing tons of PR that you want to strike when the iron's hot. You know, like the PS4 was, you know, was still a top-selling console. It's mega hot. You got to get this thing out. So, I mean, I understand that, but you're right. I think it would have benefited from a little delay until this was all in the game, you know. Well, and like I said before, one of the things that they should have looked at doing is adjusting that algorithm that creates all the planets and all that kind of stuff to include more flora, more fauna, especially because people are like, so like, oh, this planet only has like one thing on it. It's like, okay, well, put a minimum number of things that you can put on every planet, rerun your algorithm, redistribute all of that, all of those, you know, aspects of a planet and... You know, run that as a patch, mm-hmm. and then people are happy because now, oh, look, there's a sandworm. Whatever. I think that this has, I think Hello Games is trying their very best with the size of, the, of their company, the size that they are. They're trying their best to make up for it. And I think that they could really turn it around. Unfortunately, you've got people who are very, like, I'm never playing that game ever again. <laughs> You know what is interesting, though? The uh, the internet has kind of come back around for them. It seems like there were a lot of people that wanted to love them, and they just couldn't. But now with this update, a lot of people have turned that and said, finally, you know, this is what we wanted. Yeah, they're back. No, you know, so there's right. actually a lot of people supporting them now. And and that's cool. I mean, I you know, personally, I have to see a lot more than that. Like, uh, I, I want to see the things I was initially promised, which I don't feel are in this update. But this is a free update that adds a mm-hmm. ton of stuff to do. That's great. Yeah. And and it's a good start to getting people back, gaining people's trust back. Right. And, you know, they're just nice little... They're they're British, aren't they? Uh, I don't know. Probably. I think they're British or Irish. They're, they're from that area. I want to okay. say British. I did know this at one point. Um, see, now I have to look it up <laughs> because I, I feel like I should know this. Yes, you should. But it's it, it's a funny... It's a funny situation because a lot of times, like... If you live by the hype, you'll die by the hype. And, you know, they they rode it high until the game came out, and then they really hit it hard. And so now it is nice to see that they're still fighting, they're still putting up, and they could have packed it up. You know, there's certain game developers that have left the industry, like Phil Fish comes to mind, where he got so much flack for things that he just was like, you know what, I'm not making Fez 2, forget it, I'm out. Was he a fish out of water? Oh, boy. <laughs> So you got the article up now. <laughs> They're from England. They're from England. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I hate talking about No Man's Sky for that reason because I don't like fighting. It. I don't like being no, at odds. About it. I like No Man's Sky because I think. Well, I, I shouldn't say No Man's Sky. I love what Hello Games is doing because they could have just been like, "Oh, sorry, it was a mistake. We'll never do that again," and then just left it and. Left a lot of people very unhappy for a very long time. But they're trying to make amends. They're trying to show people that they haven't forgotten about their customer and they haven't forgotten about these people that wanted a different gameplay experience. And 
I really appreciate that working in the profession that I do, that you try really hard to make your end customer happy. And if you deliver something that they didn't want or they didn't expect, you feel terrible. You just feel awful. And you're like, but I thought that's what we talked about. Like, that, right. that, that's what we, we discussed. And I thought I understood what you wanted. And they're trying to make up for it. And that's from... From a person who works in the IT industry, I really appreciate that, that they're not just Absolutely. letting it fall and gather dust. They're actively working on it. Yeah, they could have just packed it up and been like, you know what, we don't, this we is our game. Mistake. You know, it's our artistic vision. They could have been really snobbish about it, and they weren't. They basically put their nose to the grindstone. I mean, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, obviously. But oh, I can it, bet it, that they were working ridiculous oh, hours. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt that. You know, And it could be that they go, well... If we want to have another project be successful again and yeah. people want to buy our games, we got to fix this one. Or mm-hmm. maybe someone looked up and said, we have an obligation to our customers. I, I don't know which way, but I'd like to think it's them wanting to do what's right for their customers and also taking care of their business, which essentially by taking care of customers, you take care of your business. Right. Do what's best for them. You know, take care of them and they'll take care of you. That's been my business philosophy for all these years. So, mm-hmm. Exactly. So move it on. Move it on. No, no, more, no more you and me. Button heads over no man's sky. I'm until, done with it. Until the until, next until update. Until the next update a couple weeks. <laughs> in a couple weeks. Okay, so Capcom isn't just focusing on Resident Evil or Street Fighter, but we may see a sequel to Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah, so this was this kind of came out of nowhere. So a, a couple weeks ago there were some early like, hey, Marvel vs. Capcom 4 might be announced soon. And we're all like, what? <laughs> Where did that come from? Okay, I mean, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom... Two is an amazing fighting game, and three arguably is good. A lot of people really like it. I personally don't, but a lot of people really like it. And out of nowhere, just boom, offers Capcom Four. Okay, mm-hmm. and and there is a big um, PlayStation Experience show coming up where Sony has like a bunch of big reveals and stuff that they talk about. And if it follows the same pattern as Street Fighter Five, it could be announced just for PlayStation Four and for PC. Uh, since Street Fighter Five, another Capcom fighting game, isn't on Xbox at all. Well, however, here here's the course, kicker. Of course, with everything, it's, there's a downside. It seems, at least according to this Gadgets 360 article that we're referencing, it appears that X Men may not make the roster this time around. So no Wolverine for you, buddy boy. Yes. So <laughs> the idea is no Logan. The idea is <laughs> that they want to include the heroes from the current Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's like a tie-in thing. Like it, They did it a little bit with Marvel vs. Capcom 3 because they had uh, Rocket was in there. And then, you know, so it makes sense that they added certain characters that were going to be in movies coming up or that were already in movies. Uh, but so, that like, really superhero like Ant-Man. Yeah, which, which actually could be really cool. Groot you know? would be cool. Groot, Ant-Man, like those could be cool. But they're talking about getting rid of characters that are really popular, like Magneto and Wolverine, because they're X-Men. And all the X-Men, because those movie rights are owned by Fox, mm. not by Disney right now. So oh. Fox is the one making the X-Men movies. So until they get the license back for that, they might not want to put those characters into the movie, or into the game, excuse me, because they want to put their characters like Black Panther and Captain America. And, and then what I also worry about is if they're going to do that, are we going to have like a movie version of those characters in there because part of what was great about marvel's capcom was you had like a comic book version of the heroes 
Not that I don't enjoy the movies, I do immensely, but there's a difference between the movie versions of a hero and the comic book versions of a hero. The comic book ones are a little more larger than life. They're a little more like, okay. um, you know, grandiose in, in a sense, as opposed to the movie ones, they try to humanize all the characters. They try to make them as realistic ah, as possible. to make them relatable. Right, exactly, which isn't a bad thing all the time, even though I'm starting to get sick of that. Like, Well, some comic book characters, like, because they're not humanized, they're real jerks. Well, <laughs> I, I use this example a lot. So I never was a Superman fan. I'm not much of a DC Comics fan anyway, but I'm definitely not a Superman fan. And I used to always think... He was just that generic hero. It's like, oh, he could do everything. He's super strong. He's got eyelashes. He's super fast. Like he's just stupid. He has a weakness, but for the most part, he's like that generic. Like he's 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 a do gooder, and he's got the best. You know, never never. He's allergic so, to something from his own home yeah, planet. That's just just <laughs> seems like bad bad design, bad baby so, design. Wait, okay, wait, wait. Okay, okay, we're gonna pause this conversation for a second. So does that mean that when Superman's on Krypton, he's not Superman? Like he doesn't have any special powers? Well, correct, but that's because Superman gains his power from the Earth's sun. Oh, so see, the reason he's I don't so know powerful. Much about Superman. Let, just let me school you here, babe. <laughs> <laughs> so I at least new Krypton. <laughs> so yeah, no, actually, you're you're right though. Your thought process was correct. They gain their superpowers from Earth's sun. Where's Krypton in the universe? It's really far away. So how do they get the sun? They don't. Well, they have a different sun, but they don't have our sun. So it's our. It's, it's, it's the our, Earth's It's the sun. Earth's sun. Well, that's just because the Earth has a planet. The Earth as a planet owns the sun. <laughs> Mars, you don't get access to our sun. <laughs> Venus, get out of here. But no. So all joking aside, this is serious business. We're talking comic books. Now. Sorry. sorry. Um, so yeah. Uh, so to answer your question, totally off topic. Uh, question was that yes he gets it from so he's not when he was a baby because i he's not super he's not super till he gets to earth because i but they sent him there knowing that okay they sent him there knowing that because this is this just shows my naivete i mean um my my experience with superman is mostly the movies but i the the christopher reeve versions Mm -hmm. it which is the one where he he's a little boy and he lifts the car I don't remember. I've never seen many of the Superman movies. That might movies, be or if Superman Returns, actually. Hmm. Which I, I actually like, little... and everybody hated. Okay, was that like, movie was very dry. I liked that movie. <laughs> That's not the point of the conversation. Right. But thank you for explaining it because I never understood if if he was allergic to his his own planet's kryptonite. How right. was he Superman? And now that that exactly. so, that closes a loop. Exactly. In my knowledge. So, so getting back to the point I was making, then I always thought Superman was stupid. I just, I, <laughs> I, I, I just always thought he was stupid. I thought he was generic, and I thought he was boring. You know, okay. and, and that's not a knock on Superman. Like, I'm not saying that's what he is. I'm saying that's what I thought. You know, and and when I was, so one show I fell in love with though was Smallville. I started watching it, and it was an awesome show. And then I realized, like, wait a minute, there's so much more depth to this character that I never saw on the surface. Mm -hmm. So the depth lied in the fact that he was, he grew up on this planet. So he essentially grew up a human with these superhuman abilities. He he has this massive responsibility, but he grew up with a caring family. Mm -hmm. So he understands the plight of humanity. He's not just some alien who's got superpowers. So, so... Um, and let me just finish this point out here. So the reason I brought that up is because I loved that he that humanized him for me. That made sure. me re- made him relatable, made mm-hmm. me understand him, right? But then every character, like it seems like everything's like that now on the Netflix series, like Daredevil and Punisher and and that stuff. They're making them so relatable that they no longer feel like superheroes to me. 
And so sure. now I'm starting to feel like, you know what? Like, like Daredevil is really cool. He was a cool hero. You know, he was like super, but he had almost like this x-ray vision kind of thing because he can't see, but well, he's hearing sonar, it's sonar right? sort of thing. Right. And then in the, in the Daredevil series, especially the second season, they don't even show him in what he sees. And oh. it just, and, and he gets his butt kicked a lot. So I'm just like, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, you never thought of, it. you know, Daredevil's just a regular guy just trying to fight dudes no, on the street. Not. He's, he's not a regular guy. He's a superhero. <laughs> I'm a regular guy. Okay, if I went out there, I'd get beat up. Well, especially if you were blind, you'd get beat up. Yes, if I went, out, if I was blind and went out looking for fights, I would get beat up. <laughs> but he shouldn't. He, you know, and and, and the Punisher—they made him very, very um, tough in in those shows. You know, in in the show, like they made the Punisher a total badass. You know, but he was still like, oh, he had a family's relatable. You know, and it just it took away the super part for me. Even though Punisher has no powers, you know, Punisher he's just always really scared me. Maybe it was because of the whole symbol of being like that word. He uses the power of him being angry. <laughs> That's Are his superpower. He's, I mean, he's just so mad and he's full of hate and anger oh. that he just kills people and he kills bad people. That's what he does. He's the Punisher. I used awesome. to in the Sunday comics used to read the Phantom. Ah, the Phantom was cool. I didn't understand any of the context, and it was very adult for me. <laughs> but I liked his costume. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway so the whole point of that was just that I'm worried then getting back to Marvel vs. Capcom 4 yes. I'm worried that if we get the movie version of those guys in there it's like oh it's the humanized Chris Evans Captain America you know I'm like I don't want that I want jump spin three times shield dash slam a guy in the air with a shield chuck it you know I mean like well, it's not like they're gonna take these characters and make them do a bunch of monologues it's like that's a fighting game it, so how can you really humanize somebody in a fighting true, game true but I'm just I don't want them to to remind me of those characters that are more humanized like what I so love so you don't want Marvel's... them modeled after like Chris Evans right I don't want that at all if that happens I'll probably still play the game and, and love it but I'll be disappointed in that facet of the game that's I I can get behind that one hundred percent. I am looking forward to seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy characters. That'd be neat, you know, especially Star Lord if he really... keeps his mask on and stuff like well, that. Well, yeah, like, he like, don't make him look like Chris Pratt. I mean, yes. as much as I love Chris Pratt, make him wear the mask because it'd just be weird. Plus, when you see him, all you think is Parks and Rec anyway. That's, so, that's I can't see think. him in any of Jurassic yeah. World was the perfect example. It was uh, a horribly boring movie. Well, oh no, I'm sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean interrupt. Sorry, you were saying it was Andy Dwyer takes a and, vacation to Jurassic World. Andy Dwyer worked out. He lost some weight, lost some and now weight. he wrestles dinosaurs. <laughs> He will always be Andy Dwyer in my but, head. Yeah, so that so so Marvelous Capcom Four. That's good news. It may not include certain heroes that made the game awesome in the first place, like Wolverine and Magneto or Cable. That's bad news. So as as with everything, there's always got to be like I get really excited about something, and then the world tries to crap on it. <laughs> I won't allow it to bring me down though, because the next article is all good stuff. I'd say. Well, okay. Well, the next article, I don't know. See, I'm anxious to hear what you say about this. (laughs) Well, it's good news for the game. Oh. Final Fantasy XV. It just came out. Final Fantasy XV just came out on Tuesday. And if you were Greg, you got your copy two days early for some reason. Yeah, I got my copy on Saturday from Best Buy. Thanks, Best Buy. They just mailed it to me on Saturday. Here it is. And I was like, all right. But here's what's so great about Final Fantasy XV coming out. It sold. Can you guess how many? Copies it sold in its first day? I don't know. Five million copies. Five million. That's a lot. Five is, that, million. is that the most they've ever 
It is the fastest selling in series okay. history. It's uh, the only two entries to exceed 10 million lifetime sales. Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy X, mm-hmm. which sold 10, or 11 million and 14 million worldwide. Well, Five million copies on the first <laughs> day. The first day. Yep. That's, that's insane. That's insane level of sales. Now, as I'm looking over the article you brought up here, it does say it's shipped 5 million. So that doesn't mean it's sold 5 million, but it's shipped, which means it's shipped to retailers. So if the retailers would sell out, they would have sold 5 million. But it's still an impressive number. It doesn't take anything away from the impressiveness. Um, and it looks like their, look, they were, their, their goal was to sell 10 million. Um, right. 10 million worldwide. Yeah. It, it's very confusing because the article title says it's, it, they sell 5 million copies, but then the actual body of the, of the article says so that it's shipped. shipped. So it's a little, so we're not really Whatever. sure. We won't, we won't nitpick it because. Oh yeah, you're right. It, here it is. This is the last, the last paragraph in the article from Destructoid. Uh, does not explicitly say copies were shipped, instead referring to them as sales. However, it does explicitly claim to be the fastest, quote, selling game in the series. Well, and to be fair, I mean, they technically sell to Walmart. They did sell it. I mean, they're not lying. Yeah, you know? Walmart yeah. bought those copies. Yes, they've, they've made their money from Walmart. I'm surprised so. they didn't talk about how many people pre-ordered that game. Yeah, because recently, we, we didn't talk about it today, but um, Pokemon Sun and Moon were the most pre-ordered Pokemon games of all time. It was one of GameStop's largest pre-ordered games ever. I should have ordered one. Hmm? I should have ordered Sun one. Sun and Moon? Mm-hmm. Well, one of them. I've never I actually have played... I have I've played uh, already. Yeah, we had, we had a Sun and Moon come in, like, the Saturday after they what? came out. Yeah. Did they crazy. actually finish playing it, or I did they it. just... I don't think you have enough time to finish playing it no. in that amount of time. I've played Pokemon in the past, but I don't think I've played Pokemon since it came out on Game Boy, if that tells you how long it's been since I've played a Pokemon game. And I think it was my sister's. What's going to be surprising to a lot of people is that I'm not a Pokemon guy, and I only played Pokemon Red once for like an hour. It just knows my thing. I don't know why, and I love turn-based RPGs. I never understood why I never got into it. But I never did, and I've never been a Pokemon guy. And people come in all the time, and they're just like, "Oh man, it was crazy! I caught this level fifteen garbage chew, uh, you know, Excuse me? pink ice cream monster." And I'm like, "I I don't <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm sorry." What is that? Um, they'll come in and be like, "Oh, I got a Rizor or something." I'm like, I, I don't know what that is. And then they look at me like I'm the crazy one. No. Well, tell us though. You did get some gameplay into Final Fantasy fifteen, and I know you don't technically do reviews of video games. Right. But speaking of turn-based RPGs, but not really, what did you think of Final Fantasy XV so far? So, I uh, I had a Facebook status the other day that I think um, Should I pull it up sums so you up, can see? Oh, I remember it. So it sums up my experience completely. This is my Final Fantasy XV experience so far. So, if you've ever been at it, and, and I'm going to say... My mom's on the Facebook post. I didn't say this because I was trying to, I was trying to avoid insulting my mom because she makes awesome food. And I knew if I said something like, "Hey, do you ever, you ever been at your mom's house and she makes bad food?" And then my mom'd be like, "Hey, I've never made bad food." I'm like, "I know, mom, your food's great, but I'm trying to make a point here." I'm trying mom. to make would an you, analogy. Would you get off of Facebook, ma? Um, so anyway, so I said, "Have you ever been over to a dinner?" And You've been there before, and you've had meatloaf there before, and it's good. You always like it. You like the meatloaf. It's fun. There's, you know, sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's worse than others, but it's usually pretty good. 
And then you take a bite of this meatloaf, and you're just like, man, it's kind of dry. I, it's it's not great. It's not very good meatloaf. Like, I've, it doesn't taste bad. It's just not, you know, it just, oh, I don't know. It's something up with it. It's just not as good as it could have been. And then you look around the table, and let's say, say it's a table of 20 people. This is a big family get, big get together. Fam, family big and family. friends, everybody's around, and you go, and you look around, and everybody is just gushing over how amazing the meatloaf is. <laughs> And I'm like, well, but why? It's not It's not that good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's crap. I'm just saying, I've had better. But everyone looks at me like I'm the crazy one because they're like, what are you talking about, dude? This is the best meatloaf I've ever had in my life. I'm like, really? Because if that's the best meatloaf you've ever had, I feel really sorry for you. Hmm. So that, my friends, is my Final Fantasy 15 experience so far. Dry so meatloaf. Let me walk you through it here a little bit. So, I played the game. It starts off very slow. Square Enix, for some reason, has a major problem with pacing. Um, it's, it's character building, man. It's, it's not character building. It's the first thing you do is you watch a cutscene of some people leaving. Then you get into a car. You watch them banter a little bit yep. in the car. And then the car breaks down and you have to push the car. And then that girl... And well, we're getting there. Hold on. So the, <laughs> I won't spoil anything for anybody. This is all. This all happens in the first half hour hour it's of the game. True. So so don't worry about it. But you're pushing the car, and I will admit it starts playing uh, a I don't want to say remix version, but a covered version mm-hmm. of Stand by Me. Just, I love that song. Beautiful song. I I love it a lot, and um, like it's just a great song. And so there was a part of me that was like, man, I'm starting to. I'm feeling something here, you know? And then you, 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 so you're pushing this car forever, it feels like. And then you pull off to this, you know, you're in the middle of the desert. So, of course, this character, this this just unbelievable character, which I don't understand how, you know, Metal Gear Solid Five's coming out and everyone just flips their lid over how quiet looks in that game. How, oh, they're over-sexualizing this character and everything. Quiet's, Quiet's outfit is... It is wow. At least it had an explanation as to why she had to wear it. But I digress. <laughs> getting getting into Final Fantasy, this this girl comes out who's wearing an impractical outfit for the job she performs, <laughs> being a mechanic. Okay, it's essentially a bikini she's wearing, except it's like a, a she's yellow Daisy Duke. Daisy Duke's in a bikini, but she's like a, a yellow leather jacket that's only comes up to her, like it's from her midsection up. And it's zipped up like two zipper teeth. For my for my girls out there, it's kind of like a bolero. Okay. A bolero jacket. Cool. I didn't know those. That's a thing. Okay, it's cool. a long sleeve. Well, it's I, a sleeve jacket with that's waist. Okay. Cut off at the waist. So it's an impractical outfit she's wearing, and then the absolute worst southern accent I've ever heard in my life pretty- from any voice actor ever in the world ever starts talking and it's just the worst and and so that's the beginning of the game the, the, you know what I was telling someone over the weekend was or, or over the week I should say was when I played Final Fantasy 7 the first time uh, the first thing you do is you get off a train you fight a couple soldiers and you're part of a resistance group that's trying to stop this evil corporation and you're going to go blow up one of their reactors <gasps> so like the game starts off like Provided by Metallica? You know, no, it's just great music. Um, You're going to hell. Little boy going to hell. So, it's, you know, so they're playing that and I'm just like, yeah, man, like, Final Fantasy 7 starts, you're just like, 
oh man, I'm gonna go on an adventure. <laughs> I'm so excited. And you're you're just you know, not, and that's not rose colored glasses, okay? Like put that game back in and play the beginning of that, you know, because it's got that awesome Final Fantasy VII music. Like, um, yeah, the music was fantastic there. So that's the start of that game, and then things unravel. In this game, the start of the game is your car breaks down. You got to push it. Then, while they're fixing your car, the girl with the bad southern accent and inappropriate outfit for her occupation uh, tells you, go hunt monsters while we fix your car. Because you don't have any money, because you're out of your kingdom now. Even though you're a prince, you didn't stop at the ATM to convert your currency first. (laughs) Into money, so you could actually have some money to buy things. That's a fair. That's a fair assessment. I I would agree with that. Now I know that you've played, like you were mentioning, Final Fantasy VII. Can you remind me what, uh, like time period this was in for Final Fantasy VII? Is it more medieval, like where we've been used to with Final Fantasy, or Final Fantasy almost has Midgar, the initial city you start in almost has a steampunk feel to it. Okay. So it's it's futuristic. There like there's Shinra soldiers that have machine guns and armor. And now the main hero uses a huge sword, but you know, yes, like there's guns and stuff. So it's modern day. This almost like at least the begin the beginning, the very beginning part that I saw you play like I just felt like it was almost too modern. Yes, and it's actually a little creepy. Like look at that article with the 15 million sold. Oh, I and look at the it. picture. Oh, you did. Okay. Well, I as, can, as I you're open it. as you're bringing it back up, right? So, I was talking to Dom about this today, and we we talked about how it's just it's really weird that there's like everyone looks very real. That that guy that's an NPC in the game. That's a that's that guy from Lost. That looks yes. <laughs> What's his name? I don't. Uh, Where's Jess? Do we, Jess would it's, know. It's it's um. Ah. It starts with an H. It's like Hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> H- Hugie. What? Think of it. Think of it. <laughs> okay. Hergenstein. Something with an H. It doesn't help. Hergsberger. <laughs> okay. I gotta Google it now later. It's, but. uh, yeah, so, um, oh, it's, uh, uh, it's like, it's like, uh, Hurley. Hurley. It's Hurley. It's, I was like, I was like, it's Hundley or Hundley. Hum- doesn't it look like him? It does look like him. And Sorry. So, but you look at this, right? He looks very real. It, it looks very real, but it looks like that dude would be walking down the street. Mm-hmm. That 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 guy's a customer at my store. Like that's just somebody who would come into the store. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying, like he looks so normal, and so I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around a fantasy game where they just decide to put like when I was in one of the shops, there was a guy in there wearing a polo shirt, sure, and, and like khakis, and he looked just like that's a regular I mean. guy. It's so strange. And you saw when I was camping. They are officially, like, Coleman actually paid to be in the game. Oh, so it's like, so there's actually, like, Coleman camping gear in the game. It's just really weird. So anyway, those are all little gripes. So I'm, I'm getting off topic here. So the main thing with Final Fantasy XV is that I think it's got a pacing issue. That does get better. Um, there is a story uh, that picks up finally after the first couple hours. And then the combat is actually very good. The I was, first couple hours? Well, yes. And so imagine, imagine this. And, and I... So imagine you took a bite of meatloaf and you had the first slice and you're eating it. Can we not use? You know no, I'm a vegetarian. Yes, but this is the best analogy I've ever made in my life, so I'm sticking with it. <laughs> this is this is this is for the ages. So you eat one piece of meatloaf, you're like, oh, it's kind of dry, and then the guy goes, you know what? The best piece is in the middle. Eat a couple more pieces of that dry meatloaf, and then that last one when you get to the middle, oh, it gets so good. <laughs> I can't eat half a loaf of meatloaf to get to the good part. You know what I do with a cinnamon roll? I go right to the middle. 
Oh, see, I'm an edge girl. But you can this. well. That's why. That's why we're perfect for each <laughs> that's other. Why we're because you can eat all the crust with no cinnamon on it, no frosting There's on it. Cinnamon. There's always frosting. Nah. Well, you you've the, obviously not had the right kind of cinnamon. You get roll. the crusty old, dry, crunchy parts in the end, and I'll you take the, the beautiful sweet. No, nugget you in the get middle. the beautiful golden brown and delicious edges. Well, a good sweet roll is good all the way around, but you know most sweet rolls aren't good. But why are we even talking about that? We're talking orange rolls are where it's or, at. Orange rolls are where it's at. But so. Lastly, Final Fantasy XV is not a bad game, and I can't stress that enough. Like, and people have been asking me, like, "Oh, you think I should wait? You think I should wait?" No, I don't think you should wait. If you like Final Fantasy, go buy it. It, it is it, like it's a Final Fantasy game, and I think more my issue is one, I've grown out of that kind of game, uh, or that or Japan's just not making the kind of games I like anymore. And I just can't deal with how slow it is. Like that—that's not the game's fault. The game is what it advertised to be. It's a—it's an RPG, you know. But I just—I don't know. It's not grabbing me yet. But I'm going to give another shake, you know. And as as WoW's kind of winding down for me, as we you know get into the end game of Legion, I don't have to play every day to get caught up and level mm-hmm. up and everything. I can take a couple hours away from that and start playing into Final Fantasy. So I am excited to dig into the actual game. And I've heard there's a ton of side quests and missions you can do after you beat the main story. You unlock the open world and stuff. I'm very excited about that. Uh, and I do want to give it a fair shake. But, um, you know, everybody just just know getting into it that it's, you know. And I've, thankfully, a lot of my friends I've been talking to lately now are coming around to that. And they're like, you know, it's really good. I like it. Certainly not the best Final Fantasy I've ever played. I'm like, okay, that's fair. You know, and, and Which is so surprising because it's been, they've had so much time to develop it. it it's, it's... The great people that made the best games at Square Enix aren't there anymore. Oh. That, that's just the, the honest truth. Is it They've very, all moved on to other studios. I was going to say, is it is it kind of like Nintendo, where some of those beginning storyline game developers are now in management positions or they've retired? Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it too. A lot of them, a lot of the people, the original creators left to make their own smaller studios mm. to work on the games they want to make. You know, it's just it's a natural progression of things as digital games came out and and you know it is what it is but you know and so what what this game reminds me of is when Final Fantasy 14 first came out that was a, that was an MMO but it was really bad they had to fix it but what what it reminds me of is that like they 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 have this recipe to make a perfect game and it's got great graphics and great sound and all this other stuff and then they threw it all into a pot and they're mixing it in and then the one guy who was supposed to add a cup of fun <laughs> forgot and so the game's got all these, like, you look at it and you go, man, like, the graphics are amazing, the voice acting's amazing, the music's amazing, the the menus are great, the idea, the, 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 the level-up system, the battle system's all great, but it isn't fun. Well, maybe, maybe he added me. some fun, but he used too much in the last game? Maybe, maybe when he made the dough, he didn't add enough fun. So then he made a special frosting for the top of the cake later that was more fun. So and I'm just eating like the edge that doesn't have the frosting on it yet. I don't know, but I'm gonna get there. That's He's not as good. As, that's not as good. As now I want funfetti cake. Ugh, I can make another pumpkin crisp for you. No, make me a cannoli cake. <laughs> I do need to make another cannoli cake. That was so good. Uh, so so that's Final Fantasy 15. Like I want to talk a little bit about my experience with it, but I don't want to discourage anybody. And I can't stress enough. Like just because I don't like a game doesn't mean it's a bad game. And I will tell you if I think a game's bad. Like, I will tell you that. But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. That's the beautiful thing about this hobby is that, like, if you look at my shelf here, I've got well 600-plus games. Figuratively look at his shelf. Yeah. So <laughs> I've got six, 700-plus games, and there's probably easily 20 or 30 in there that I would say are bad games. But I like them. And that's okay. And, and, and so anybody, there's nothing wrong with liking this game, you know. Um, 
there's nothing wrong with liking music or movies that, you know, is, if you like it, you like it. This was in our last podcast where we did the truth time when we talked about things that we liked that other people didn't. Like, I professed oh. my love of Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah, what was mine? I don't remember. Truth time. I don't remember. That sucks. It was probably really good, too. But mine was my, my love of Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah, I do not like that guy. <laughs> I, neither I, does, uh, neither do a lot of people, yeah. unfortunately, and now he's sad. That's um, okay. He'll get over it. He's got lots of money. He can wipe his tears away with his million dollars. He doesn't of... have money anymore. Oh. He couldn't pay his wife's alimony. Oh, well, yikes. It's really sad. I'm not going there. Poor guy. I know. Oh, well. Way to go. His, his actually, though, all joking aside, his, uh... His appearance on Scrubs was excellent. Like yes. his character on Scrubs was really good. That's a that's a show that I love, and his appearance on that show was it was really good. People I know who don't like Brendan Fraser love him in that yeah. role because yeah. he's so good. In it that was really role. good. Good writing and everything. Very very so. good. So let's get to let's get to the main story tonight. Move right along. The video game awards actually. Uh, ju- hold hold on a second. Uh. <laughs> Okay, carry on. The, the Actually, the video game award results came out tonight. We have the results. We're not going to go over them. We're not going to go over the nominees. We're actually going to talk about how we feel. The process. About the process. And if anybody from the video game industry is listening, our suggestions for how to make <laughs> that process a little bit better. Yeah, so let's just get right into this. I hate the Game Awards. <laughs> I hated the VGAs when they were on Spike TV. I hated it. It 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 irritates me so much. Especially with all that subtle product placement. It's it's one it's one page in this book of crap that is the VGAs. And the thing that sucks is there's some really fun stuff to watch there. They do some game reveals, that's cool. They do developer interviews, that's cool. All that stuff's cool. What Jeff Keighley needs to stop doing is doing an award show, and he needs to just start doing, like, an expo. Like, just do a game reveal show where, like, once a year, everyone gets together, and, you know, they, they talk about the new games coming or something. Like how Bethesda does there? Yeah, it's like a, like a press conference almost, but do, like, a mini, like, game show, you know, like, where it's like, hey, you know, for four hours in this theater, we're going to talk about the best of the best, we're going to do reveals, we're going to do all stuff, or we're going to celebrate video games by doing this, and you could still give people, like, Lifetime Achievement Awards. Mm-hmm. And you could still, you know, you could still recognize games for how much they sold or something, or give give them a plaque for selling over a million copies or something, you know? That, kind of like how the, the music industry does, like, platinum and gold yeah, records. Yeah, so... Stuff. That would actually be kind of cool. The, 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 I get frustrated with the, with the video game awards because um, they treat us like we're idiots. And that's frustrating to me. Because, like, I'm, I'm just sick of being treated like we're like we're stupid and and when they start tying in like you know like infamously four years ago was the um dorito gate as it were (laughs) which is if you don't know that was where like jeff Keeley was doing his video game awards thing and he was like doing this interview and he was sitting on a chair and on his left is a table with code red mountain dew and dorito bags all over it and then on his right is a big halo slash mountain dew Standy, and you're just like, what the hell is this? Well, like you said, it, it it's kind of catering to the lowest common denominator. It's like, it's like you asked a person who didn't know video games what they knew about people who played video games. Well, they're, they're like junk food and cold red. It's like what? yeah, like like when you watch a show and then the show is still like 
you know, oh, it's gamers living in his mom's basement. You're like, <laughs> like really, we're still saying that? <laughs> Dom Dom went to um, Herbert's and Gerberts the other day, and kid, the people behind the counter were like laughing about him liking video games. What? Like, like they were making jokes about that sort of stuff, and it's just like, wait a minute, in this day and age. We still aren't safe. Like we're still not free. What do you th- What do you think? Every app that you play is a is a video game. Can't we at this point also say that if you don't play video games, you're the weirdo? Yes. If you, if you don't play some sort of video game on your phone <laughs> or on a console or on your computer or on your tablet or a hand yeah a handheld, hand, you're officially a weirdo. Yeah. Because everybody plays games. My mom plays. Bejeweled or whatever. She plays Candy Crush. She plays Candy Crush. She loves Candy Crush. Oh, Candy Crush. Hey, that I play that on my lunch. We we play that a lot actually at the airport. Yes, (laughs) on the plane to to London. Candy Crush. (laughs) So so okay. So let's get let's get back to it. So the VGAs they're frustrating to me because they're they treat us like we're stupid and they it's a bunch of you know it it's a very like weird industry it's kind of like incestuous in a way where like oh the people who make the games are talking to game journalists and giving them free copies of stuff so that they can review their games and then those game journalists are the ones that are picking which games are nominated for the award show Exactly. Like, incestuous is a really good descriptor word because it makes you feel kind of weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. But that's how you should feel. In the back of your throat, you're like, ooh. When you've got, I think we read 29 publisher, like, video game journalist uh, industry or companies like Polygon, like Destructoid, like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're the ones who are in charge of nominations. They're the ones in charge of awarding these, these video game awards. It is not a large pool of people with a diverse kind of uh, taste for video games that you end up seeing so many of the same things in every year's nominations. It's 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 a click. It's yes. it's very clicky. So you you have like these people that a lot of these people know each other or they've worked all at the same kind of places coming up. You know, like game journalism is in a really weird place right now because it's kind of you know un it's unregulated essentially and you have a lot of people just just one day just start doing it. You know, mm-hmm. like oh I can reach a couple million people by putting my news on a website and they do it. And you know, but then they're going to one of the first things I did when me and Joe were trying to start our website, like our Brothers and Sandy gaming blog and stuff, we started contacting marketing people asking for free demos and, and free copies of games. Like I got a free copy of Witcher Two that I could review. And then we got a free copy of Torchlight Two that we could review. So we got a bunch of stuff for free and then like the expectation was if you talked trash about that game that you would not get another free copy of their next game. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the game company's fault because they're like, why would I give these jerks a free game if all they're going to do is crap on it to a Mm -hmm. bunch of people? You know, so so then you've got reviewers and Game Informer is especially guilty of this. Knowing what I know when I worked at GameStop, Game Informer, as much as I like the information in the magazine, Game Informer is owned by GameStop. So That I didn't know. Yeah, so Game Informer is owned by GameStop and they basically don't give hardly any games under a score of five. Oh. But then what Game Informer did to try to combat that was that any game that's a seven or below is essentially don't buy it. <laughs> so on a scale of one to ten, 
A seven is, eh, you probably don't want to buy it. And a six is, don't buy it. Oh, weird. It's so stupid. But they had to do that because GameStop essentially doesn't want them trashing games because they don't want to open their magazine and mm. hurt their sales in the future. So really, they say they have a, a, a rating system from one to ten, but they actually only use five, five to, to ten. ten. Exactly. Wow. And sometimes a game, there have been games that gotten a one or a two. Mm-hmm. And they're hilarious when you read their <laughs> reviews of those because they're on, like, such another plane of existence of horrible games. But, uh, you know, so anyway, th- you know, that's just kind of the, the, the journalism in general is like that. So, and that's that's fine. It's a young industry. The the cool thing about, there's cool and there's good and bad. The good thing is we get to see this industry that we love grow. We were in on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. It's really neat to watch something that you saw invented and then watching it blow up into what it is today. The problem with that and the unfortunate side of that is we have to also have all the growing pains that go with it. So we have to figure out the ups and downs of the industry. They have to do stupid things, then crash because of them, then come out better. Mm-hmm. But we have to watch those dips and dives. As if like the movie industry and the music industry have been around for 100 years, we don't have to... like we the, the, People have already seen the ups and downs with that. They, I think where you're going is that it, it seems like the video game industry doesn't have to reinvent the wheel here when it comes to awarding video games. They just have to spin or tweak how they approach their their award system or their award show or however you want to market it. And I think, like you said... It's it's great that we get to see this, but it is a painful process of, oh my god, why are you using 29 people or 29 judges that are all from video game journalism, you know, areas that all kind of reviewed the same games and are aware of the same games and don't know or aren't aware of the vast and almost infinite amount of games that are out mm-hmm. there that people are playing. It's just, it boggles your mind where it's, why would you think that 29 people could tell you what the best game of the year is? And, and actually, I think I struggle with the fact that they're trying to copy the movie industry. Like, why can't the video game industry realize that we're a different audience, we receive our information differently, we, you know, we're essentially the online age, you know, so why why are they trying to do this archaic, oh, let's have a get-together, we'll have a bunch of people from the press give nominations, and we'll have categories, and each category has... It just feels like they could do it better than that. Well, like, they could do it more unique to their product than well, that. Well, I'm not mostly saying that, you know, they need to take a step backwards in terms of technology, but we were looking at the... How how do nominations happen for something like the Academy Awards? How do you get to be on the Academy in order to be a part of that? Yep. I think that they should do more, more diverse. Uh, they should get more people on their panel of judges. Mm-hmm. The Academy, I think we read, had around 6,000 people as members of the Academy. And in order to become a member of an Academy... Of the Academy, you had to do certain things. I'm sure there's term limits. There's certain qualifications. I think that the video game industry could implement those types of things in order to say, now you have 6,000 people who are responsible, responsible for picking these video game awards. And it's a lot more diverse. It's a lot more varied. And... 
it creates a more it gives it gives a lot of smaller gaming developers a little bit more of a fighting chance which also led into the fact that it makes sense to not just have you know best game direction and that covers every single game that mm-hmm. was nominated but you could do best AAA game direction best indie game di- direction yep. maybe some some category that's either in the middle or under indie game, which I don't think there would be, be somewhere in the middle of AAA. Right, and I think indie. I think those would be the two categories. Like they should do every category for both AAA and yes. indie. Like they shouldn't even be in the same category. Right, and like so, and I want to go over some of the nominations, you know, so that we can kind of give people an example of how just weird this kind of sounds. But last year, so last year in the Game Awards, they had the best. It was like best narrative in a game. Was the was the category. So, two of the nominees, one of them is a game called Her Story, which is a really neat indie game. We've it's talked fun. about it before. Yeah. We, we played it. We played it. Um, it's about two hours long. It's all recorded in, like, real video. And you, essentially, you're on a search engine searching for video clips that use those words, and you're trying to solve this mystery. Mm-hmm. Very cool game. It's very, very, very unique. Cool. Very cool. We sat down and we beat it in two hours. Really fun. And then you've got The Witcher 3 which was a $60 game that took three, four, five years to make, and they're both nominated in the same category. Yeah. Her her story wins. Best narrative in a game. And, and I'm just like, it's mind-boggling to me. Now, I'm not saying that wasn't a fun game. It was really neat. But how... how well, It I, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense because you've got, again, this AAA development, something that Project Red worked on for years to develop the storyline, all of that. I mean, very, very good storyline for that game. Very involved. Her story, I mean, it had an interesting narrative, but it was very kind of, once you figured it out, it, it was, was also like, kind of weird, eh. too. Like, yeah. But, you know, but so so I did a little bit of research, a little bit of, a little bit of Greg research here, and I looked up and I saw that Her Story sold about 305,000 copies, roughly. On Steam. Witcher, about six months ago, was upwards of 10 million copies sold. Right. So how... And, and the issue is because the people that are nominating are these... Like you said, there are 29 different publications nominating. So because it was an indie darling, and people were like, Oh, it's such a cool, unique little game. Oh, it's so neat. That wins? That's not what the... I mean, and I, and I know that the movie industry is the same way. Like, they don't they don't have the customers and the consumers voting on what the best movie of the year is. They don't, they don't vote. The consumer doesn't vote for what your favorite movie of the year is. Right. It's voted on by essentially 6,000 people from the industry. But for 29 publications to be in charge of this, and and that's, that's just an extreme case. So then you go back to the nominees. So this is what I want to talk about as well. So if you can bring up the sheet with the nominees. So, Okay, so game of the year. Here's the game of the year choices. Doom from Bethesda. Inside, which I've never heard of. <laughs> I've never heard of that game before. And and I know a lot of people are like, oh, yeah. and they do release a lot of games. And if it's a PC-only indie title, it's certainly possible it flew under my radar. But apparently it's a game of the year candidate. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know how. I've never even heard of it. But that's okay. It happens. Overwatch, not my thing, but I know a lot of people love it. So it mm-hmm. is... Titanfall 2, and Uncharted 4. So those are your game of the year. That's your five game of the years right there. Mm-hmm. So you scroll down to best game direction, and it's Blizzard for Overwatch, 
<laughs> okay. Heard that? It's ID Software for Doom. <laughs> it's Naughty Dog for Uncharted 4. It's Respawn Entertainment for Titanfall 2. And then DICE for Battlefield 1. So the only one that's different between those two is uh, Inside's Gone and mm-hmm. EA DICE for Battlefield is in there. So the exact same are in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then you go to Best Narrative, Firewatch, which is actually really fun. I like you watched me play Firewatch. It was fun. Yeah, it's good. Inside again, which whatever the hell that is, <laughs> Mafia Three, <laughs> Mafia Three. I don't. I don't o- know. I Oxen been... Free. What the hell is that? Oxen Free. I don't even know what that is. And then Uncharted Four for Best Narrative. Okay. <laughs> so get on to um, Best Art Direction, and this will be the last one I do. Best Art Direction. Abzu, which is actually kind of a fun game. Um, Firewatch, which, do you remember me playing Firewatch? Yeah. Okay, remember how that game looked? Eh. It was minimalistic, I thought. It was, yeah, it was I mean, very... I don't, it was nothing to shake a stick at. It was, no. I mean, it was just, it was minimalistic. Yeah. I don't see how that's, art, uh, okay. Inside again. <laughs> I gotta look this inside game, because apparently it's amazing. Apparently it's great. Overwatch, which for best art direction, don't get it. I, I mean, it's just, it's just a 3D model game, I don't get it. And it's a bunch of different characters from... All these things match together, but okay. Sure. And then Uncharted Four. That I hope that that one. So, so my point then to all of this is, my issue I have with the Game Awards is that we don't know how these games get nominated, and it has most likely has to do with the them doing favors for the reviewers or giving copies to reviewers. Mm-hmm. So they have to have a positive relationship with reviewers right. to get nominated. Mm-hmm. So it's in their best interest to do things for the um, publications to, one, get positive reviews on their product, and two, there's, um, to, uh, you know, to keep them happy. There's no integrity. Like, there's no checks and balances system of integrity there. Right. And then, so then besides that, you look at some of these games. Like, remember, we, we watch, we love The Ultimate Fighter. We love, love Ultimate Fighter. In the last season of Ultimate Fighter, not the one that just ended yesterday, but the last one, when they had the guys and the girls in the house, mm-hmm. they, um, or that was the last they one I watched. Pimped. They had, like, this whole sit-down where it's like, oh, man, Beth- uh, Bethesda brought in, uh, or ID Software brought in uh, Doom, and, yeah. and you get to play Doom, and it had, you know, like, showed the guys in the house all got to play Doom for a few minutes, and then in the ring, in the octagon, they had the Doom logo on there. Yeah, it was pretty so, blatant. The point of that is that their advertising is um, different and it's excessive. Mm-hmm. So then you look at games like uh, Titanfall 2 with EA. That game, and same with Uncharted. Now, Uncharted's a great game and it deserves to be in all these categories, but those games are highly marketed games. Yes. So you can't you can't convince me. And, and Doom's the most glaring one here, and I liked the new Doom there's no way it stands up in that group of best games of the year. I, in my opinion, they bought their way into that. And that could very well be true because, like you said, there's no checks and balances, no sort of keeping an eye on how these awards get nominated and how huh. they get won. That's why I don't think that taking a step back and looking at how something like the Academy Awards, how they do their nominations and their award system, I don't think is a step backwards in in an archaic sense. I think it's worked for decades and can stand up to the test of time, where you've got a large pool of people who apply to be a part of this this group of people... And they put in their time 
to to be a part of that mm-hmm. organization and then when they're done they're done i'm i'm speaking very generally i don't know if they have term limits but i'm assuming they probably do but in order for a game to be considered for a nomination the game developer should be able to submit their game and maybe if they they split out these categories into you know game of the year indie game game of the year triple a then you have to meet certain criteria in order to apply or to submit your game for consideration mm-hmm. because i just feel that there's so many games kind of falling to the wayside because they're not getting the big bucks from Sony or the big bucks from the Bethesda or from Polygon pimping them out in an article and, and right. increasing their, you know, their um, the number of copies that they sell. I would like every game to get a fighting chance if they want that sort of recognition. And some game developers don't need the recognition. They don't need a plaque on the wall. They don't need a statuette to, to qualify how they feel about themselves. Well, if they got picked from an independent party, that's different too. But if their publisher has to pay money, like it's actually really funny. This is similar to something that I'm, I'm familiar with. Like I recently, the TV station that I advertise with sometimes they'll come to me and say, Hey, we're doing a best at the Bay awards. Mm -hmm. So if you pay and advertise with us, then we'll let people vote on you to see if you're the best in the Bay. Like, wait a minute. So I have to pay you guys 500 bucks so that I can be considered to be one of the best stores in Green Bay. Right. So it's just kind of frustrating to me. But um, but anyway, you know, I like, I love when we get to see new stuff in our industry. So I'm glad when they do like reveals and they do all that sort of stuff. Um, but I just don't like the way that they do this. Um, Jeff Keighley overall, I think he's a like a journalist in a sense, but I think he's more of a hype guy. And I wish he would just do like hype things like show us new reveals and show us new games. Like use your ties in the industry to get people to show you stuff early to show to us early. But making like a fake award show, like it just feels and then they've got like they've got a DJ up there who's like mm. doing like the womp 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 womp. And it's I just like... it's it feels like 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 you said, like where someone looked at him and said this is what gamers would like. So mm-hmm. let's make it that way. Right. But I actually liked how you had mentioned this before very briefly before we kind of went off on the Academy Award sort of train, where make it more about a game developing company and their achievements. So hand out gold records or whatever the game equivalent I, is. I like that idea, yeah. You know, hey... Congratulations, you're an independent game developer. You sold 300,000 copies of your game. Well done, you. Here's a plaque or whatever. And maybe make it kind of similar where it's like you submit your achievements and stuff and then they pick the best ones to be presented on TV. Mm -hmm. Because even with the Academy Awards, there's probably the same number that you see on television are being presented not even on camera. They're yeah. being presented in, like, a basement somewhere. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding with that. <laughs> well, and there's a reason why the Spike dropped them. And, and the format they were using, it just, like I said, like I said, like I started this off with, is borderline offensive. Like, it, it's kind of what we talked about. And, again, I'm not knocking people that like it. But the reasons we don't like Big Bang Theory is because it feels like someone who doesn't understand what we like is making fun of us for what we like. Mm-hmm. 
in, in this video game awards, it feels like these are people that don't know what we like trying to make a show that we would like. And it's just irritating to me because it's just, it just doesn't feel genuine. Genuine. I was just going to say genuine. It feels disingenuous. And so, and maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe people watching go, I don't think that way. I really like techno music and, and I just like, this is gamer culture to me. And that's cool. I guess I'm not trying to take that away from anybody, but me, I just don't feel like that's what gaming is about. Like, it's not about, you know, like, and, and, and I don't like how they're just trying to make a gamer version of the Academy Awards. You know, like, well, why do we have that? Like, we can make it our own. We can do better than that, you know? And I agree. And I think that there is room for improvement. And I think the first step is to get rid of those 29 publishing companies that are in charge of the game awards system and the nominations and make it bigger with more people that aren't tied to a publishing company or journalists or anything like that. They could even do something like, what if they made a deal with GameStop and said, you know, every GameStop manager, you know, the 5,000 GameStop managers get to choose the nominees. Mm. You know, and, and again, you know, say what you will about GameStop, obviously, but at least those people, they're unbiased, they're gamers for the most part, and they're going to pick what they think are the best games of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like, and, and, and I guess it's kind of like the Academy this week, so we hear about people getting snubbed and like, oh, this indie darling didn't get recognition or whatever because the, the association didn't like it or whatever. But like, it's just weird to me that there's games on here that were like indie darlings to reviewers. Like reviewers were just like, oh, so cool. Like it was almost like artsy fartsy kind of snobby. Like I better say I like it because I don't want to look stupid. Yes, you know, and it, it just, <laughs> it, it just... I'm sorry, but Firewatch, I liked that game. It was a really neat four-hour narrative game that I paid like 10 bucks for. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, not the best art direction of any game ever. Like, it's not even a good art direction. You know, it's, 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 very, just, it's, it's not a lot of art to begin with. It looks like a 3D version of the Flintstones. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's cool, but it's not, it's not, <laughs> you know, you don't look at it and go, man, that's some great, you know, art direction. You know what's neat art direction is like, you know, Thumper or like all these really cool VR games. Like that's that cool one, art direction. What was that one that you played with the little kid and he like it's in black and white? Limbo. That was I mean, awesome. Now, now Limbo's obviously been out for a couple of years, so yeah. wouldn't be able to qualify, but still cool. Yeah, Limbo Limbo, that's creative art direction. That is creative you art know? direction. Um Salt and Sanctuary, when I played that, that was that side scroll like Dark Souls. Oh, sure. That had a unique look and feel mm-hmm. to it, you know. So Yeah. But anywho, uh we won't drag it on any longer. But I just it just the video game awards have always just kinda irked me. And since they're actually going on when we were recording this, it finished right before we started recording, so we got to look up a couple of the winners. You know, watch it for what it is. Like, look at some new trailers. They had a new trailer for Death Stranding, which is Hideo Kojima's new game, which looks awesome. Uh, but it's just a trailer. It's just cinematic, so it doesn't show anything about the gameplay, but it gives you more hints about the world. It looks cool. But, you know, that's it. I don't know. Most anticipated game, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. See, now, what I do like about this was the bottom half there, most anticipated and down, those were voted on by us. Like, we could go vote on those, but that's like, what's the best esports team of the year? Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. well, you know, and then the Industry Icon Award that was awarded to him. Hideo Okajima. Well, because last year he got snubbed. They invited him there, and Konami would not let him go. Those jerks. They were worried that he would, you know, do things or say things that would be hurt the company. So oh, they basically geez. put him on like PR lockdown. It was oh, really sad. That's sad. Yeah, it was really sad. But um, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, we won't spoil it here for you. You can go look it up if you want. The only one we'll talk about, I guess, let's just say Game of the Year. How about let's let them know. Okay. If you don't want to know the Game of the Year winner from the most prestigious Game Awards <laughs> in all of video game you can land. stop listening. Press stop on your CD player right now. <laughs> but if you want to hear it, here we go. Okay. For everyone who's still with us, Game of the Year went to Overwatch. <laughs> I don't get it, but that's just me. People like it. You I know? guess. It's, I guess. Uh, it's, you know, it's not for me. I love Blizzard, and I have a soft spot for Blizzard, but uh, Overwatch just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. I, I enjoyed Overwatch for the couple hours I played it in the beta, and I was like, this is really cool. But I couldn't see playing it for five, six hours a day, six days a week. I don't I don't no, know. I don't know where people so. are getting that from. But, anyway. but I guess there are some people who can say the same thing about, you know, like... Uh, World of Warcraft. Certainly. So like, certainly. why would I want to be an orc? <laughs> Run around, call the world of Warcraft. <laughs> some kind of dweeb. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's it, everyone. That that's is it. that. That is the episode. Um, as always, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Game Trade Greg. That's Greg with two G's at the end. So at Game Trade Greg. Game Talk Jen. At Game Talk Jen for Jennifer. And you can always email us at gametradellc at gmail.com or hit us up on our Game Trade Facebook page, too. We just love to hear from you guys. Uh, as always, we just do this for fun, and we want as much interaction from you guys as possible. So uh, we appreciate it, and Yay. we hope you all have a great weekend. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.